This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. It's your weekly blitz with Chris, keeping you in the game. Good morning, everyone. Coach Chris Cotton from AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching here. We are your auto repair shop coaches. Our goal is to help you, the independent auto repair shop owner, make your dreams come true. We do that by opening your mind to things you didn't know you didn't know and by getting you out from under your business and putting you in charge of your future as well as your family's future. Our goal is for you to stop having a hobby and start having a business you can be proud of and can take time away from. First and foremost, I want to thank AutoLeap. Without their continued support, this podcast would not be available free to you. If you're in the market for a great shop management system, please see the show notes for a demo link. As you get into today's episode, you may know someone in your network who could benefit from the topic. So please take time to share personally or through your social network. As always, if you have an idea for a show topic or want to talk, feel free to get with me, Chris at autofixsos.com. Today on episode 109, we're going to be catching up with Craig O'Neill from Autoflow, formerly autotex.me. Hey, thanks for taking time today, Craig. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And thanks for having me, Chris. It's always a pleasure talking to you. It's great to be on this program. We've had you on our webinars. It's This is nice. I know, really. And we saw each other at Vision for a little bit. And then like at Vision, you blink and it's over and we're all back into our lives, right? Absolutely. Uh, Vision's amazing, though. A whole group of people, big space and so fast. It goes so fast. Right. But I did score the very first ever autoflow business card and Craig O'Neill signed it right here. (laughs) And I keep this. I have like a little bowl of important things that I like or keep on my desk. It's in that bowl at the top. If you followed me at all on vision, I did a video of him signing it and shared it right there. So that might be the first part of Autoflow merch ever. So I thought that was pretty cool. We were also doing something we've never done before to help people recognize this name change. We were giving out pens. Pens. I don't know know. if you got one. I saw those. I don't think I did. Remy that. So, yeah. So I need some Autoflow merch whenever some swag, whenever we get done. We'll talk about that off air. Somewhat, Somewhat tactfully. Right. So I have some softballs I like to lob out at you. And so I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you first before we get started. What was your favorite superhero growing up? Oh, my favorite superhero was Wolverine from the X-Men. Wolverine from the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the follow-up question to that is, did you have Wolverine underoos? Oh, man, I don't think so. My parents weren't cool like that to get that sort of stuff too often. No, I think most of my stuff was just dinosaurs. Okay, I'm pretty sure... (laughs) I know that I had Spider-Man underoos, but I'm pretty pretty sure they were second-hand or hand-me-downs, right? Like, I don't think we uh, actually bought or happened. paid for those. So, yeah. yeah. Bigger than my older brother, so I, I escaped most of that. That was handy. And I've asked that question several times now and have never got a repeat answer. We've had, <laughs> like, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Wolverine, and I forget what the others are. But that's really interesting that, that we haven't repeated that yet. That is. So what did you want to be when you grew up? Major League Baseball player, 100%. I was, for a very long time, I think it was probably easily later middle school before I started letting go of that dream as being a little unrealistic, <laughs> for the, especially the energy that I would actually apply to it. But I was really involved with the Little League stuff for quite a while, and that was really? a real dream. 
And so did you play into high school and college at all? Or See, this is where I have some regrets, Chris. I really do. I would have loved doing that in high school, but you know what I was interested in doing in high school? What's that? Going down to the family business and working in the shop. So funny. Yeah, and look at you now, right? So I guess you're still in, so good. What's your favorite way to unwind? Favorite way to unwind would have to be reading a book. So what book are you reading now or what was the last book you read? Last book that I uh, picked up is actually, and I don't have it right here, that we actually finished reading a, one called Rare Leadership. Uh, that was a recommendation from Chris. So our whole team will read books periodically and we'll talk about them. I have to say my favorite series, though, that I picked up lately was a science fiction series. It was the Red Rising series. And oh, I'm cool. still waiting on the last book of that one to come out here in July. And that's just fun reading. Okay, good. And who's the author on that? Pierce Brown, I think it was. Yes. Okay. I'm terrible at remembering authors sometimes. I just... Yeah, me too. I'm like, my squirrel brain kicks in and people are like, oh, well, what book are you reading? And I'm like, I can't even remember. Like, if, yeah, like, it was ask, good though. Ask me a year from now and I'll remember, but not right now. Yeah. So what's your morning routine? Like, what do you do first thing when you get up in the morning? So I'm an easygoing start in the morning. I do bouts where I'll do the workouts in the morning, but I'm actually an evening workout guy. So it just doesn't work for me in the mornings. I find that that's just a bad way for me to start. So I have lately been on, you were there at the Institute Summit. I was not, no. We were introduced to Chip Eichelberger. I oh, okay. Eichelberger. Maybe I was with Carm uh, right. and we were talking there. But yes, no, he did a great keynote speech. This man makes a smoothie that he has in the morning, this green juice smoothie. And I've been making those the night before, have them ready to go in the fridge. We'll rock that. And my whole family's on it. Kids love it. And it's just a great way to start the day with the healthy foods. So pretty proud of that. <laughs> Interesting. Any other, do you do any like industry reading in the morning or anything or anything to kind of... Absolutely. Newsletters. And it isn't just inside of our industry. As I get into the swing of things, I'm going through my inbox, replying, of course, to people that are early risers as well. But uh, I'll try to consume a, a few pieces of business news out of the gate. There's usually some good insights on it. And Autoflow as a team will focus on technology a lot. And The Hustle is just a great newsletter for anyone that's interested in latest trends of technology and business news in general. And it's kind of witty. So it's fun. Okay, that's cool. I'll have to check that out. And uh, we'll get into that. So, okay. So that was the easy round, right? Or actually it's all easy, right? We're not difficult oh, or yeah. hard here. Can you tell the listeners what your job is at Autoflow and then maybe talk about why Autoflow, what happened to autotext.me and, and let's start there. Yeah. So this is a great question. And we've of course been asked this a great deal lately too. And there's some confusion that comes with a brand transition. It's like where you bought is like, no, no. Autoflow has remained its own entity. We have not required anything else. It's been great in that regard. But what we are at first and foremost is a communications platform for auto repair shops mostly, but it actually works for any service industry, uh, power sports, businesses that can use our platform. I would say that Autoflow is very focused on the auto repair side. And most of our employees and staff, especially on our training team, it's automotive professionals, people with experience within the industry, people that have uh, some knowledge of what it takes to manage a shop or have managed a shop themselves or multiple locations in many cases. And that's a major differentiator. I think the with the brand change, it was important because people think that auto text me, our previous name, a lot of texting solutions exist now. Sometimes you just have a built into your phone systems these days in the shop. It's not uncommon for other solutions to exist. So like why auto text me? Or it's like, I don't need you. I already have this for texting. And it's like, well, 
actually, it's a small part of what we do. It was the foundation, yes, but we're much more about workflow efficiency, a lot of process and reporting that goes into the platform to help you and your shop stay more efficient. And then, of course, the digital vehicle inspections, digital work orders, and final quality control. Two things that I talk about the most in the training that Chris and I get to do around the country is digital inspection best practices and final quality control. And those are two of the strongest areas of our tool. Now, I would argue most people that are coming into Autofleet these days are looking for an absolute top tier type of a solution for digital vehicle inspections beyond some of the basic checklists that you're going to see in other platforms. Nice. And so you talked about the training that you do. So you're the VP of training, correct? correct. Can you speak to that a little bit more or go a little bit deeper yeah. there? And w- when I say training too for that, and, and <laughs> titles we don't take very seriously a lot of times in our company, it's like, yes, they're important to help distinguish yourself in certain networking circles. But really, I lead the client success team. Client success is all about making sure people are actually successful with the platform. And as you know, as a coach in this industry, Shops are busy. Shops have a lot going on. And when you introduce a new platform or a new piece of technology or new anything, it could be even a behavior change, that doesn't always take root immediately. And we invest a lot of our time at Autoflow into making sure our shops are successful. Our training team is not a commissioned type of a sales team. This is bought and paid for by Autoflow to ensure people actually are using the tool to its full advantage. That's the biggest thing with all these tools, right? Like whether Mm -hmm. an SMS or a platform like yours or a coaching program, people want help. They see the light, they pay for it, and then they use like 10% of it or don't use it at all or whatever, and then get mad at us when it's not working, right? And that's a super unfortunate thing. And arguably, I would consider it from a software company standpoint, like I've been in the shop 25 plus years of my life going into software as a service was a learning curve for me. And it was eye opening too, because I've been the guy in the shop complaining about why this software doesn't do this. I've been the guy in the shop that would get upset at vendors coming into the shop at inopportune moments, trying to talk to me about things that I want to deal with, but I don't have time to do. Been the guy. (laughs) So having been on that side of it, how has that helped you on the other side of it now? I look back at every one of my experiences in this industry and I have this It's this enormous picture now that has been painted over 20 years beyond as just each one of those experiences that I have, some of them uh, very frustrating and challenging at the times, others brilliantly wonderful, as all having been contributing to allowing me to be effective uh, where I am right now. And I really appreciate guys like Chris Cloutier, our CEO, the fact that I could meet him back at Apex in 2017 uh, while I was still a bit adrift in where I was going to be going with my career at the time, having recently left the family business, guys like him, to, I was lost in this crowd. He can shake your hand and you feel like you know somebody and they remember you. And then when you reach out some other time, they have a conversation with you and you find out there's tons of opportunity there. It, it's amazing that he, as a leader, was able to identify some of those experiences there and give a guy like me a chance in a position like this. And I love it. And that's an interesting statement. The industry has so much opportunity in different areas, different areas of what 
I wish I was smart enough to figure out how to capitalize on the AI stuff because I've been using chat GPT. I got to think to Bard. I've been not too lazy, but I don't have time to go back and listen to the podcast and listen to it again and be like, okay, at 10 minutes and 17 seconds, this person said something like that. There's a great new company out there that sent me email said, hey, use this. You drop the link in. It'll generate titles. It'll generate the minutes. It does a full transcript of the whole thing. I just drop the link in 15 minutes later it's done and then I can copy and paste and move it on. For a little boy from Oklahoma that started out writing service 30 years ago, I never saw the future. I never thought I'd be a coach for sure. And then everything else. So really the sky's the limit in the industry at this point. You just have to get out there and figure out your place in it. Absolutely. No, this is amazing industry in that regard. I talk to people a lot like, do you recommend so-and-so or your son or your own family member to go into this business? And a lot of them say no. And I've been that guy too, saying no. My son has a little bit of interest recently actually, because we just put a used engine in a 2006 Honda Accord and he had a nice time doing that. <laughs> we worked on that together, but it's so many directions it can take you. This is not a dead end one track industry. There's some amazing people working on stuff to help draw attention to that, but at an independent shop level, don't think it's very well communicated to the audience of, of talent that we're trying to attract. I 100% agree with that and think that's the truth. We have all these technicians and everybody leaving the industry. Mm-hmm. And I started a survey and was like, hey, if you know somebody leaving the industry, um, I've done some YouTube shorts on it and I'm starting to get responses back. But most of the people that are replying now worked in dealerships and mm-hmm. the dealerships ruined the technicians. And so yeah. my follow up question to them was always been like, hey, have you ever worked in an independent repair shop? And they're like, you know, and I'm like, well, no. if you work for a great operator in an independent repair shop, it's 10x what you would have experienced at a, at a dealership. And it's just been interesting for the people. Two things have ruined it. One, the dealerships. And two, bad shop operators have ruined it. Yeah, they don't seem to pull in people with the right, I guess what I would call the right perspective on how you deal with a client. Right. Like what the goal of automotive service really is. A lot of times the dealerships, and not all of them, we've worked with some wonderful dealerships that would really rival even the best of the independent shops in terms of their relationship building, their intense focus on, on serving clients with great clients satisfaction. But a lot of other dealers that service departments are little to service the cars that they see, they seem more focused on selling new cars. Yeah. And I had gotten a conversation this yesterday where somebody that was a heavy in the dealership world bought their independent shop and their brother still owns a dealership. And it's just now after how many years that they're finally realizing that they can make money in the the repair side of it. You know, instead of just making the repair shop pay all the bills for everything else and then do that. And there's I think there's a huge shift. I think it's why you would be a dealer and build a huge building with space for a thousand cars when you can have like 50 cars, have them drive them and then order and be in for three months or whatever. Hi, the whole dealership model on the car purchasing, well, that's being challenged even now by groups like Tesla. Here in Michigan, where I'm at, Tesla is not really allowed to sell their vehicles directly to consumers. But here's the funny thing, Chris, is you see Teslas everywhere in Michigan. They're right. buying them from places just over the border, Chicago area. There's Tesla stores and that sort of thing. They get transported up here and they get serviced here just fine by the Tesla facilities. But where the laws in Michigan are archaic, and I don't know if this is changing too much. I don't follow this super close, but 
dealership model is upheld in the laws of that country. You have to have that middleman dealership right. between the manufacturer and the client. Otherwise, no selling cars here. Well, I'll give you one better. In the state of Texas, which they have, if you've ever been through Austin and seen the new Tesla factory, mm. they have a Tesla factory in Texas, but they have the same laws in Michigan. Like You have to circumvent that rule somehow in order to mm-hmm. buy a car in Texas. And there are thousands of people doing it. I don't know how they're doing it. If they purchase it online and that's fine, but you can't go to, I don't know. But um, to that point, and I'll rein us back in here in just a minute. If you go to any other place, like we, we've traveled outside the country in the last couple of years, we're the only country in the world that has that model. Like all the hmm. other countries, you go in, you order your car, you come back and pick it up. We're the only one that has that dealership model as far as I know. Hmm. Yeah. So struggle to see where the benefit of it would be. I don't know. It's the dog and pony show, right? Like people got into back when they started it. So my grandpa was the dealership tech for his whole beginning of his career back in the, this is going to be in the fifties when he was doing that before he opened our family transmission shop mm-hmm. and literally just, I love my grandpa, but he was one of the worst examples of a dealer tech back in the day, creating the need for valve grinds. <laughs> <laughs> turning in the gravy work and figuring out how that process worked. Uh, but he had to game a system even back then in right. order to do what he was doing. But It's crazy. And then they all have their own set of laws versus independence. But anyway. AutoLeap is a cloud-based all-in-one auto repair software that helps to keep complete track of your business from scheduling appointments to managing technicians to generating invoices. Supercharge your growth with AutoLeap. Customers that fully adopt AutoLeap see the following benefits in their first year. 30% revenue growth with top customers seeing over 100% growth, 75% decrease in no-shows, allowing you to service more customers, three times increase in positive Google reviews, leading to stronger online presence, 50% time saved on administrative tasks, driving increase in operational efficiency. Do it all with AutoLeap. Key features and functions include estimates, invoices, scheduling, Google reviews, inspections, communication, QuickBooks, reporting. Get in touch with AutoLeap to see how you can transform your auto repair shop. For a limited time, if you schedule a demo, sign up with AutoLeap and they will waive the $250 implementation fee. Before we hit record, you were talking about industry goals. Can you go into that a little bit more, like what your goals for the industry are and absolutely, and what you'd like to do or what would you like to see or accomplish with that? Well, my perspective of this industry and actually playing off of our dealership conversation here, one thing I thought they did really well is every time a customer came in for a second opinion for our shop after having been at the dealer, the dealership had done a very good job of being paid for their assessment of a vehicle. Very good job of it. And yet when people walked in our door, the expectation was we're supposed to do an assessment for free, even a second opinion. The dealership often having gotten paid $250 or more back even in the 90s and early 2000s just to tell someone something that's often wrong in many of the cases where we're giving a second opinion. And it bothered me to no end sitting at that desk and trying to communicate to someone why there's value in our assessment and it costs what it will cost. It was a slow transition for us because we used to be like a lot of independent shops where we do a free initial assessment as a sort of a thing to get them in the door. But I found that that has devalued our knowledge over a period of time. And my brother and I, and we were on opposite sides of this for a number of years. He's my brother's a crack diagnostician, truly one of the smartest people I know in their ability to use oscilloscopes to diagnose the most complex electrical problems. He's a subject matter expert for ASE. 
helping write test questions. My brother's brilliant. And I was still that guy that wanted to continue to let customers come in and do a free assessment. That was a key part of my service advisor toolbox to get people to come into the shop. We had a couple of goals. I don't know if you remember uh, one of the trainers. Do you remember Terry Greenhut? I remember the name, yeah. Yeah, and he was a really good trainer. I think he still does some articles. I don't get to see all the trade journals these days. But Terry had some really basic knowledge that was very effective for me. The goal being to, uh, back in this is late 90s, I think when this was the goal, get the customer to come in, separate them from their vehicle. Those are basic two objectives that I had out of the gate from a phone call was a core part of that strategy. And my brother and I, like I said, we would argue on this, like he got tired of the point where people, I was very good at getting people come in with that. It was easy. But then he's getting pulled off a transmission rebuild or something else, or one of our other technicians is getting pulled off something. That interruption, interruption, interruption was costing us. It's an opportunity cost every single time that happened. And it creates potential for mistakes of being a transmission shop. Somebody's working on a valve body and then somebody's here, they need a scan and a quick road test. And we're supposed to drop everything and jump onto that to impress this new customer while we're putting a risk of very expensive major job for another paying customer. We really had to come to terms with that. We started very simple. We started with a $90 assessment. Now, a $90 simple assessment, anytime anyone came in with any optic, doing almost anything for free. And a part of that became doing a basic digital inspection inside of that. Back then, a $90 assessment would probably be more like 120 now or probably be on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's been, yeah. been five years since I've been full time in the shop and I'm amazed at what prices have done <laughs> even the last two years. <laughs> yeah. Inflation's having a hold, right? So it has. But here's the thing, Chris, working in digital vehicle inspections, what's one of the big objections? And you've probably seen this in shops to technicians that are asked to do them, especially when the shop is still doing courtesy inspections, sometimes tied in with an oil change or something like that. But asking their technicians to do sometimes 20 to 50 even point inspection free. Right. Yeah. It's I mean, no wonder you get. Right. Yeah. People think like, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. And that's the the feedback that you would get from technicians that you're trying to introduce into this thing that we know has massive impact on sales, massive impact on trust building with the transparency that DVIs bring. And yet the people we are asking to perform them, we haven't been valuing their time or more importantly, their knowledge in the expression of actually asking a customer to pay for it. Right. And so what have you done or what are you teaching at Autoflow to be able to do that or empower that? Or how's that process from this your is, side of it? This is like one of those auxiliary things that you get when you have industry trainers that are working with a product like this. I sometimes will jokingly say like, yeah, Autoflow, great product. The reason I am training and doing what I want to do is thanks to this product. And I work for Autoflow because what I want to do is supported so well within it. And so I just get to talk to shop owners all the time and share some of these ideas in a more one-on-one setting often. And then some of our webinars as well. And we talk about these principles and I share some of the knowledge that I learned through transitioning from doing it for free to turning inspections and those initial assessments into a part of our profit center. And to be dissemination of knowledge that transpires. And I had a good coach. You're a coach and you understand how important that is. Uh, Bob Greenwood, uh, rest in peace. He right. passed away a little over a year ago now. Boy, I miss him though. We had wonderful conversations and he taught me tons about how we could be doing things better. Like we were giving away our knowledge and that was hurtful. Well, I mean, it's really hard. And I think part of the problem was is 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, whenever it happened and 
the image of the greasy mechanic that was out <laughs> to screw you. I don't know how that got started or whatever, but at some point, I think as an industry, we developed a bad self-image and it lowered our self-esteem. So as an industry or as individuals, we thought that that's the only way that we could connect with customers is to give them stuff for free, let them beat them, beat us up on price and yeah. do those things like that where that's not the case anymore because you have these great shops and great shop operators out there that are really, really pulling through and they're advancing the image, they're advancing the industry and going next level. I say this sometimes, like somewhere the auto repair industry got lost in technology. It still amazes me how many people come to me and say, Chris, I don't know my numbers, I don't know this, but we still write hand tickets and do all that. But you know, like technologically, you know, we used to be on the brick phone. And then I think as an industry, we're still in the flip phone era and someday we'll advance to the smartphone era. So we're, we're caught up and uh, good on technology because, because really, I don't, you may know the number, but if there's 125,000 shops in the country, independent auto repair shops, less than 10% of them probably have a coach, less than 10% yep. of them use a product like yours and they're mm-hmm. out there struggling trying to figure out how to make it better. And unfortunately, we're losing a lot of those shops right now. Like they're closing down, they're going out of business, their technicians are frustrated because they work for an owner that wasn't up on everything. I flew to Denver a couple months ago and had a list of people I wanted to see, just kind of like to introduce myself and everything else like that. And out of the 10 shops I went to, two of them were no longer there. And by saying no longer there, they've been leveled. Like they were leveled and there was a coming soon sign for something else there. And the other one had just closed and had a sign on the door. After 50 years of service, we've decided to stop doing auto repair. But what's happening is the places where those people are or were, they're not letting new repair shops in. So you have this reduction in bays and nothing back. So the industry yeah. is just crazy. Yeah, The reduction in bays is all right for the people that remain. And this is an important distinction. And it's why people should want to be that A or B shop, that those high tier operators that are running great businesses, have great apprentice programs and benefits for their employees and good payroll and all those things. When you're these smaller mom and pop shops and you're struggling day after day, there's ways out of mom and pop shop. On our side of things, it was a just constant struggle and we had disagreements in the family and we had all the dysfunction that any shop could possibly have. So I I think it's important to mention, I've talked about this before with some other interviews um, on my family business history. My family and I get along great now, but it it was not. It was not enjoyable for a while. And I left that family business because I knew the transition plan wasn't good. I knew it wasn't going to benefit me to purchase the business that I would be able to have started one for the same amount of money. And I would have been able to start one that didn't have this built-in expectation of taking care of everyone else through the hard-earned money of the shop that is no longer contributing to the shop. It was a complicated, mixed bag of pleasures there that I couldn't afford by stress or or finances. Yeah, I get a lot of phone calls and like, hey, Chris, we're a family-run business. It's me, my brother, my dad, all of our wives and everything else. And I just want to shake my head and be like, oh my gosh, yeah. So this is a whole nother level. So for somebody that doesn't know what Autoflow is or does, can you tell us Tell them, somebody that's just tuning in for the first time, 
like, I don't know, like your suite of products, whatever that yeah. is, and and kind of like uh, talk about each one. Sure. So Autoflow, first and foremost, specialize in the thing that I would argue that Autoflow formed itself around is the workflow and status updates that occur by text message automatically based on the service advisor, either clicking the status or actions that the technician takes. Statuses can be updated through automation and the customer will receive a text message indicating the gradual process from check-in to inspection. I love the examples like we do customers checking in we get the vehicle checked into the status and boom they get a text message and while you're still saying they're talking to them you say you're going to get a text message from us go ahead and reply to that number we'll see the message right here on our screen they see it perfect and it also has instructions on how we're going to update you next and next thing that you will hear from us is when the technician begins doing an inspection Boom. Technician starts doing the inspection later. Text message goes out to that client. They know that the vehicle is being looked at. The patience resets for people every time they get an update, Chris. And what's so funny when I start training shops on this, the workflow status updates, especially the automated pieces, some service advisors immediately freak out. They're like, what if we start sending a text at the wrong time? Or my favorite one is what, how many start texting them too much and start over communicating? It's like, so Chris, let me ask, have you, have you heard many people complain about this industry over communicating? during a visit? Not really. As somebody that used to write service and be a shop owner, if we would have had that those types of products then, then we could have, it reduces the amount of times you have to physically call somebody. That's and, the point. Well, there's a couple of things, right? Like I get some shop owners, they're like, we get too many phone calls. We get this, we get that. I'm like, well, that's a disruption in your process because if somebody's calling and mm -hmm. wants to update on their car, it's because we didn't call and tell them the update on the car or didn't communicate yeah. with them or anything like that. So yeah. here at Autoflow, Chris, we want to make your phone ring less. Less, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But really, I was that stressed out advisor with the eye twitch and all the stress that came with that that line of work. And I know a lot of advisors, they go home and they might just feel like cracking a beer and not talking to anybody for a little while. And that's not a great way to enter into your household dynamic, which is one of the more important dynamics, I would hope, for most of your lives. And maybe a reason why you do your career in the first place. When I say advisors, my favorite thing to tell them is like, when you go home at the end of the day, when you use Autoflow, you're still going to have words left for your wife. Right. there. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You guys should add that in a tagline somewhere. I think that's great. <laughs> that's really, really good. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Now, the other side of it, of course, is the digital inspection suite. And it's a high tier inspection. We can do them as simple as you want, but reduce the amount of clicks technicians have. We try to get them very efficient. We still serve tons of shops that do courtesy inspections. And I do try to coach some other of my ideas into that too. I really believe a courtesy inspection, Chris, should be really kind of capped around seven to 12 minutes if you're doing them. Right. Um, and yep. with tools like Autoflow, it can be done, it can be taught, and it can still be a great presentation that gives people a sample of what you do with the DVIs and then another opportunity, hopefully, to show them what you do so you can upsell them into your more advanced inspections. One of my clients I was talking to just this morning uh, sent a great example of a really comprehensive inspection, and he calls it their signature inspection. And it was many, many points, two hours of diag time they sell at this thing. And it's super thorough, finds all the things that they need to manage the vehicle for the client. Powerful, powerful stuff. So how are they marketing that? Is it a current customer? Is it a new first time customer? Is yeah. it a pre-purchase inspection? Because that's something that I don't think we have done enough in the industry is we don't market a pre-purchase inspection and we don't do it. Back in the day when I had my shop, this has been a while for 
for $100, we would inspect up to three vehicles for you and then write you an estimate for each one and let you know what we saw, what we thought, recommended maintenance, anything like that. And then, of course, we used Identifix. We used the reliability report and made that part of it. It's funny, though, how many times that we would do that and we would be like, buy this car, buy this car, don't buy this car. Yeah, yeah. And they always bought the car we told them not to. Always. And then complained about why it was costing so much to maintain it. But anyway, keep... You said something important. The pre-purchases, would you agree that that's pretty common? Can you say that again? Most shops that I know that are doing pre-purchase inspections charge for them. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. It's so funny. We don't do the same thing for the vehicles they already own that we're managing for them. Yeah, most people don't know. And see, that's the other thing. Like somebody will come in and they'll be, you'll see a car for the first time and you're like, oh, well, maybe I wouldn't have bought that one. Yeah. Um, I have an example of it. Like, Like I was in a shop doing a visit and this lady had a Suburban and she bought a Mercedes and the battery went out in her Mercedes. And the guy was telling her like, yeah, we have to remove the passenger side seat and do all this other stuff. And it's like eight hours of labor to replace the battery. And she was about to have a conniption. But so I think a lot of European shops do a better job of it. But every shop in America should advertise pre-purchase inspections. Specialties. It's the specialty shops, period. It doesn't matter which specialty it is. I see the people with the laser focus on a specific set of skills or of vehicles or, or whatever it is, diesel shops, transmission shops. Those are all good examples of specialties. Although I would argue transmission shops, if you're still trying to do all makes and models, good luck tooling yourself for that. That's crazy. (laughs) But those are the ones that tend to have better operations in general, just because they are more efficient with all the tasks that they do. It's one of the things dealerships do well. They have a brand. They service. The level of knowledge they have to have is dramatically reduced. These all makes and model shops that we serve. uh, Right. Oh, wow. What a training nightmare. You have to know how so many different manufacturers vehicles operate. And that's a high and tall order. Right. But again, I think the others and maybe it's a self-image thing. Maybe it's whatever it is. But every shop in the United States especially if you have a DVI platform, you should run a Google AdWords campaign or have it on your website SEO for pre-purchase inspections. It should be part of it. Yeah. And charge somebody 200 bucks or 250, whatever it is for that. Absolutely. And that's Um, one of the beautiful things to the DVI platform too. And inside of Autoflow, you can do this where you can build that inspection up for very specific things. And something specialty shops can do is they, on certain models within a make even, you can have specific inspection sheets all laid out for that, ready to go map to your shop management system, add it as a labor line in that shop management system, and it integrates straight over. It's amazing the things that can go into place to just make it clockwork. Yeah, I work with a shop owner. They do like Euro cars, but they also do exotics, McLaren, Lamborghini, stuff like that. And they do a pre-purchase inspection. The owner's the only one that does it. You have to make an appointment. The owner does it himself. It's like 300 and something dollars. Mm -hmm. And he sends you back the report that would choke a horse. Like it has like a, he'll put a hundred pictures in it. He'll do video, has all the points in it. It's a comprehensive, like comprehensive. um, Yeah. And we've done a poor job defining where that line is in this industry too. Where's a courtesy inspection and where's a a standard inspection of whatever variety is what what is involved in a safety inspection? What's involved in a comprehensive inspection? Those are one of my other goals for this industry. One of those goals would be to see more universal language and how we are communicating this to the motoring public. Like universal language, like how? 
the customer should be able to go in and ask for a safety inspection in any shop in this country and know exactly what that's going to entail. It shouldn't be subjective based on the shop's definitions. It should be something that we've defined really right. well as an industry. I know that's true with aviation. Well, and here's the weird thing, right? Like if I wanted to move to Texas or move somewhere and get a license cutting hair, I would have to go to school, have an apprenticeship, do whatever. But if I wanted to do the brakes on your car, I can do that without any like state run licensing or anything else. Not in Michigan. We're the only state in the union that does this that I know of. I think Massachusetts might be changing on that. But Michigan to date, you have to certify this. I made this mistake once back when I was working with a, a larger franchise for when I was briefly with another software company. And I was talking with this shop. It was in North Carolina. And I said, now make sure your technician's certified in brakes if he's doing this part of the inspection. He's like, what do you mean? I said, oh. Oh, yeah. You can hire someone right off the street and call a mechanic today, can't you? Right. Yeah. Oh, boy. And and I know a lot of people (laughs) out there would be like, oh, my gosh, Chris is off his rocker. Why would he want to do that to get rid of all the people that are doing that and running the name and the image down and everything else? It's not Um, a perfect solution here in Michigan, even. I actually, it's a funny story. When I was in high school, I failed the transmission test from the state uh, the first time I took it. And I'd been rebuilding transmissions for several years when I was still in high school. (laughs) All right. So failed this test. The reason why they were 20 year out of date questions. There was not Mm -hmm. one question on that test, Chris, that had to do with electronic solenoid or PWM valves or any of the other stuff that I was already rebuilding valve bodies with and knew how to diagnose. It wasn't on this test. And so I was like, I still don't know if I could actually very accurately explain how governor pressure has to overcome throttle pressure for shifts to occur, if that's even accurate anymore, because the way vacuum modulation works, my goodness, vacuum modulation hasn't been on many transmissions since 96. Right. And I think a lot of that testing is geared for the dealership, right? Like the very first time I took the ASE service advisor test, I passed it, but most of the language on there was geared towards dealerships and the way that they schedule. Very much on the, the service advisor test. But that's the and, funny thing is I failed that Michigan test and I passed the ASE test because that was an up-to-date test. Right. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So can you talk about the productivity tracker thing that we talked about at Vision yet? Oh, for the Baywatcher. Yeah. Yes, sir. Actually, okay. we just hired a gentleman to work with us, uh, Brandon Krusha. Okay. Uh, you might know Brandon. Oh, I've heard, I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brotherhood Garage. So he's uh, joined our team now and he's going to be co-product owner with Chris on the Baywatcher Okay. Uh, module. So we're going to be having a lot more stuff coming from there. We're hoping to do more installs on it this year. Uh, we will be doing more installs on it this year. Baywatcher is basically a camera system that goes in your shop and it tracks the vehicles that come in and out of your bays. And sp- is there will be a camera in each bay. And sometimes there's one camera that watches two bays. It's pretty neat. And using all sorts of neat technology with the ability to identify vehicles that don't have license plate, it can also read license plates. It matches those vehicles up into auto flow or sometimes your shop management system right now does require auto flow. But it can tell you how long any car is in the bay, what status it is while it's in your bay, and helps you understand your bay efficiency as a true metric that does not require human input to do so. The robots are watching, right? The robots are watching. We have a new logo that'll be uh, shown here not too long from now, and there's sort of this recording symbol with it. And it's, I think, brilliant. And we talked about it. We debated this, like our technicians gonna, are they gonna like this? Or is this gonna be too scary? Do they feel like big brothers watching? It's like, (laughs) 
Big Brother's already watching most of the shops I go to. They got security yeah. systems, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And Chris has had this in his shop now. We have another client who already has it in one of their shops. And business as usual, nobody even gives them a second thought most, after most a little bit. Most people forget after a day or two or whatever. Yeah. It, the funny thing is we did add body on car as a metric. So it can identify very easily if the human body is active on the vehicle. Oh, really? So like if you're touching or leaned over or whatever? Well, it needs a certain amount of time where it considers body on car. Right. Okay. Because uh, we know some people walk by, some people come by and just take a look at some and walk away and that sort of thing. But we track body time on the vehicle at a threshold that we believe is very accurate and gives you a much better sense for, you know, it's in the bay with nothing happening or in the bay with something happening. Right. And if you're actually going over that work order time or anything else, and the results are already amazing, Chris. So how is that reported or what does that look like if you're a service advisor or somebody looking at that? What is it actually telling you when you on the reporting side? And the reporting side is where the real fun actually begins. It is in-depth because you actually are able to tag certain jobs and see how you're doing on very specific things. So if that work order is tagged with uh, oil changes, for example, and you want to know how efficient you're being with those things, you'll be able to isolate those inside of that report to truly understand if this is going well or going way beyond what you expected, how much it's really costing you. All those pieces are right there in the reporting. But most importantly, I think it helps you see your bay capacity for what it really is. And Chris, this is where I think the importance of this is a little understated in some facilities everyone looks at their technician efficiency and productivity. And very few times do they look further on some of the other things that affect the technician's ability to be productive. In our shop, we were we struggled all the time, especially transmission shop. It doesn't have to take much of an imagination to understand all the subframes disabled on these vehicles. They're tying up a rack. We had no place to put things. We've got technicians ready to go. We have jobs approved and we're stuck. And that was killing us all the time. Uh, but we can help you identify some of those things in a more nuanced way. So one of the things that where we get lost and lose like diagnostic time earlier is we sell like maybe a, a level two test. that has got like 1.3 hours. Mm -hmm. The service advisor gets it busy and loses track of it. The technician is frustrated because they don't have it figured out yet. And, you know, most technicians won't stop until they get it figured out. Yeah. So, yes. so, <laughs> so, so, so they'll spend five, six hours on something that they're getting paid an hour for. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, we got to figure out how to make up the difference, how to charge the customer, et cetera. Is, yeah. there, is there any kind of... Uh, like alarming in there that, yeah. okay. So, so when you go over work order time, it starts to highlight it for you. Um, like, Hey, this thing's over the build time that it's on. It's still sitting in the bay. What's up. And Oh, sweet. No active alerts within the tool. If I've got a service advisor or I'm a service advisor, does it come up on the screen? Does it text me? How does that alert get sent back? You're going to have a dashboard. Right now, there will be different notifications added to this over time, especially as we see which notifications are most desired by our, our sample groups that are testing it out now. But the alerts that are visible, I think, are most important. But within Autoflow, there's a filter as well where you can just filter our dashboard to see only the cars that are in a bay, which bay they're on. And it's just going to be a lot less walking around for those guys. So this becomes this focal point. And with the alerts right there on that dashboard where they can see and manage this stuff, it's been pretty interesting seeing how they can respond to things. One of the things I'll sell you right now out of the gate, Chris, that has opened our eyes to things we didn't expect. That's the fun thing about projects like this. We go in with the questions we think we should have. 
And then we develop like an awareness to things that we should have been asking this. Right. Like yeah. How many cars are coming into your shop right now that don't have a ticket open? It's a big no-no one. That's interesting, you know, for, I guess, insurance tracking and everything else. Like, hey, yeah. why is this being worked on? There's no ticket, et cetera. Then why is this car going on three different racks in one visit? like what is going on right. how many time yeah. how much time is that to rack a car <laughs> right or or why has it been pulled in and out six times for this visit that's no, very Chris, interesting I, I see shops right now they're trying to go from this three million gross threshold to five million gross and they know that the answer has got nothing to do with the amount of work that they can attract and bring yeah. in the doors it's how much they can get out the door and right. that this is where one of those systems come in. So are we looking at this being a solution for every shop USA? I don't no. think so. I don't think so at all. I think a typical three bay shop with one tech and that sort of thing, you're not, this isn't for you. Or maybe it could be for a variety of reasons you might be interested in, but it's going to be for these shops that are really trying to, to maximize their productivity and efficiency. Right. It's so interesting. Any other new products coming out or anything you want to share with yeah, or, or the, can you share uh, with us? The uh, exciting one that's going to be coming very soon, we've started teasing it already our, ourselves, is our marketing module. So one of the things auto text me, especially that brand name, people came to us all the time. So, okay, so you can do mass te- text blasts. That's great. And it's like, actually, we don't. <laughs> well, now we do. <laughs> so okay. the marketing module allow you to do those slow day sends. We have drip campaigns for deferred work. And it all, we already have a lot of stuff in the core part of Autoflow that does some follow-up and review management, for example. A lot of people don't realize that one of the things Autoflow is also very good at is driving customers to leave you a review with a really nicely designed landing page to direct them to whichever review site you're focusing on. Very cool stuff, but this uh, new module allows even more refinement to those drips, whether you want to focus on new customers, lost customers, you name it. It's going to be a pretty effective way to use text and email to reach out and keep that client coming back in. So cool. Anything else? I mean, you got a lot going on already. I yeah, I this. think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then I get to do some regional training with Auto Value this uh, uh, over the next month in May. And also Phoenix. I got this one. Phoenix, the, the Swap, the Sunrise Expo out yep. there. Auto Leap is a sponsor of that one, I understand as well. So your sponsor there will be there as well. We'll be there teaching a course in sunny Phoenix. Yep, I'll be there teaching a class too. So that'll awesome. be the, probably the next time we can run into each other. So that'll be good. I will have my family out there <laughs> with me. And oh, nice. And to meet the better side of me too. So my kids and my wife are all going to hit the uh, Southern Utah and the Grand Canyon and all that stuff after we're done there. We're driving up that oh, cool. way. Well, you guys great. need to swing through Colorado and visit us when you get done, maybe oh, man. Um, on that. Any closing thoughts? Any final thoughts? Anything you want to want to end out with? You know, it, there's so many things that are going on in this industry, Chris. I think for me, the final topic that I like to leave people with is think about why we do it. I think that if we really understand our true why, Bob Greenwood had the question for me years ago, what's your job? What is your job? And, oh, I fix cars, right? And it's right. always the, the thing that a lot of people would say when he asked that in front of the class. And he said, no, your job, your professional responsibility is to make sure the vehicle is safe, reliable, and efficient. And I, every time I, I get a chance to echo that, I can hear his, his voice still in my mind. And what a transformation that made for me getting to that point where I could sell confidently sell inspections to my clients, I'll begin doing them better than ever, led me into this career, which I enjoy so much with all the people I get to meet across this country. I think that when you can define your meaning in ways beyond just money or anything else, but real purpose behind 
behind it, that's when things really start to get fun. I think that's a great final thought, Craig. Thank you so much for being on the show today or the episode. Or if you're hearing this, how can people reach out to you, Craig? Oh, you can reach out to us, uh, autoflow.com, www.autoflow.com. Tons of information on our website. Our emails are searchable on there as well. You can even schedule training sessions with us, free trials of the software and all that fun stuff. So again, thanks so much, Craig. Hope to see you soon. If we can't see you before June, maybe we'll work out something else. Have a great day. Thanks, Chris. Hey, this has been Coach Chris Cotton from Autofix Auto Shop Coaching reminding you it never always gets worse, but sometimes it does have to get worse in order to get better. Remember, don't stop working today because tomorrow needs you. Please feel free to reach out to me, Chris, at autofixsos.com or give me a call at 940-400-1008. Have a great day, everybody, and remember to rise and grind. You've been listening to The Weekly Blitz with Coach Chris Cotton on the aftermarketradionetwork.com. Follow Chris on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Chris is all for advancing the aftermarket.